0: If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to put one last thing in front of you, and I cover it now because I know I have your undivided attention. Next Sunday morning, we have designated this next Sunday as Nations Sunday. And we believe at the Potter's House, God has put an international anointing on us and we're going to have a special guest here with us i'm going to talk about several ways in which you can partner with the church uh, in order to make a difference in the nations but one of the ways we're going to do it corporately is next sunday morning we're going to take an offering I'm going to take one offering next week and that offering will be a missions offering and anything that is given in that offering will go to various missions uh we'll come back with a report uh, probably a couple weeks after to tell you where that money went and what it went to uh, but i want you to pray and i've been asking you to do this for the last several months to pray about what the lord would have you give next sunday morning uh, to missions and to the mission field first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 if you have your bibles I want to start a new focus over the month of November on Thanksgiving. Uh, and I know some of you say, well, duh. Yes, but we all get thankful in November, but what about January through October? Because Thanksgiving is not a holiday, it's a spiritual discipline, it's a lifestyle. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. first Thessalonians 5, verse 16, beginning Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ for you father I'm asking you this morning that you would speak to us by your word in the time we have left together and that your grace and your mercy would allow us to not just hear your word but to do your word in the name of Jesus we pray and everybody shout amen and amen before you're seated turn around and ask somebody are you thankful and you can be seated in the room Now, let me say something to you, because I look at the clock up there, and more than you, I feel the pressure of the clock. And what I'm going to say is going to make some of you mad. The Holy Spirit spoke to me several weeks ago, and he said to me, whoever controls the culture controls the clock. That's why people don't complain about how long movies are, but they complain about how long church is. That's why people don't complain about how long football games are, but they complain about how long the preacher preached because the pagan culture is in control. Come on now. We've allowed a a spirit of religion and a worldly spirit to control our hearts so we complain about the things of God, but we're okay with the things of the world. See, some of y'all don't like me already. I just took that thanksgiving that was in the atmosphere and popped it like a balloon this morning. So I say all that to say get over it in Jesus' name. So Paul makes a statement in 1 Thessalonians where he is in the process of listing out certain things and he says, in everything, everybody say everything. In everything give thanks. Before that, he gives off two commands of the Lord. And he, the first one is rejoice always and pray without ceasing. I believe that if we become a people who rejoice always and pray without ceasing, that is the doorway into in everything give thanks. So let's talk about it a little bit this morning. First, Paul says rejoice. It's the Greek word that means to rejoice Exceedingly to be well or to thrive. It is a command on my soul to do something. David said in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He was not simply making a statement, it was a command on his soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And I would submit to you, That the greatest struggle David ever had was more than the common cold. Because some of us, if we just feel a bubble off, we don't feel like worshiping. You have authority. You have something called self-control. It's not just the power not to do something. It is the power to do something. I'm going to command myself. You're going to do this. That's why David said it in Psalm 103. Maybe being chased down by a madman king named Saul. Maybe hiding in a cave. Maybe out in the field watching over the sheep being overlooked by everyone. David said, I command you, soul, to bless the Lord. Paul says, I'm putting a command on you to rejoice Always. In Philippians 4, Paul talked again in Philippians 4 and 4, and he said, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. There's about five people. That, I, I made some of y'all mad, I know. But that doesn't mean you can't talk back to me. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Paul said in, in, in the scriptures, we're commanded to rejoice in things. one One of the things that you'll see the most, especially in the New Testament, is that we are commanded to rejoice in suffering. Everybody say suffering. Rejoice in suffering. I don't know who lied to you and told you that this life of Christianity was going to be one of sunshine and roses. I don't know who lied to you and told you that once you receive Jesus, everything gets easier the fact is a lot of times everything gets harder because you have entered into a realm of the spirit that you were not in before and now there is something called spiritual conflict or warfare that happens in your life and 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 the difference is is that now it's not easier but now i know who i can run to and the one who i run to always gives me the victory Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in his name. So he he commands us to rejoice in suffering. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul understood suffering. In 2 Corinthians 6 he said, I am sorrowful yet always rejoicing. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 10 he said, I I take pleasure. Listen to this. I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. Colossians 1.24, Paul said, I now rejoice in suffering. If you will read the Bible in the New Testament, you find this word joy and rejoice sprinkled throughout all the letters of Paul. Why? Because he is telling them, even in persecution, even in suffering, we have a reason to rejoice. Not because everything is good, not because everything is sunshine, flowers, and roses, but everything is alright because I am Christ's. And Christ's is mine. I have this assurance. So he said rejoice in suffering. Because suffering, he says knowing that suffering produces something. Number one, suffering produces endurance. Colossians 1.11 May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Suffering, affliction is not just because we go through things, we suffer, we experience affliction and affliction and suffering produces something in us. It produces endurance. It produces the ability to grow through what I go through. I'm going to say that one more time for somebody who missed it. Suffering produces the ability to grow through what I go through. That I'm not just going through something and I'm going to be the same on the other side. I'm going through it, but I'm going to grow through it. Somebody touch your neighbor and tell them, I'm going to grow through what I go through. I'm going to grow through what I go through. Because suffering produces endurance how many of you know sometimes i know this is true in my life i can't make a generalized statement but in my life there have been lessons and tests and suffering that have been prolonged because i didn't learn the lesson that i was supposed to learn ask god for patience he puts opportunities for patience in front of you right and sometimes they're not even tests you asked for but God is, God wastes nothing. And and so I learned that suffering produces something. And the quicker I understand what it's producing in me, the quicker I'll just come into agreement with what God has chosen for me to walk through. Y'all with me? Okay, secondly, suffering produces character. Character is a manifestation of integrity. Integrity allows you to walk, catch this, Integrity allows you to walk through things without changing who you are and without changing who God is. That'll hit you deep if you let it. Integrity will allow you to walk through things without changing who you are and without changing who God is. I, 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 I've, I've come to understand that what we have in, in our nation right now and in our world is that there is just a lack of integrity. Integrity integrity is a matter of the heart your word means something your work ethic means something when you say you're going to i know this is getting real practical and some of you like bring us back to when we were praying and worshiping but when you say something you're going to do it you're going to have a work ethic when when people say hey show up at this time you're going to show up at that time integrity hey I made a commitment to my wife on July 14th of 2012 that I was going to love her for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. And hey, my integrity says I'm going to keep that commitment to my wife. It's quiet in here. Because I made that commitment not to my wife. I made it to the Lord. People with integrity just don't walk out when things get hard. That's why suffering will produce character. Suffering shapes integrity, because if you can walk through the hard things, then you're going to understand, I know how to deal with hard things. I know how to keep my word, even though things get difficult produces character. The scripture said in Proverbs 10 and nine, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out integrity is who you are on the inside where nobody can see. And when nobody is watching. When nobody can see, nobody's watching. You know, kids, integrity's got to be taught, y'all. Okay. Integrity's got to be taught because I watched this video uh, of these parents. They put M&Ms in front of their kids and they told their kids, don't touch them till we get back. Don't eat them till we get back. And they walk out of the room and the brothers look at each other. And what do they do? They take the (laughs) M&Ms. Integrity has to be taught. It's not something that you just learn one day. It's not something you just step into one day in maturity. There's a lot of people, a vast range of ages, who have no integrity because nobody taught them what integrity was. Suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces character. Number three, suffering produces a love for the word of God. Psalm 1971, David said these words, and I've often thought him strange for this, until I'd been afflicted. Psalm 1971, it is good that I've been afflicted. What? No, nobody in their flesh is saying it's good that I've been afflicted. It's good that I've been afflicted. Why? That I may learn your word. That I may see that your word is truth. That your word, when you say it, means something. When you say it, I can learn from your statutes. It is good that I have been afflicted. Some of you need to look at your life and you need to change your language. It is good that you have been afflicted. Because your affliction, if you filter it right, will bring you closer to the Lord. And his word. Psalm 119, 161 Princes have persecuted me without a cause But my heart stands in awe of your word In awe of your word So he says first rejoice in suffering Then secondly he says rejoice in hope Somebody shout hope Rejoice in hope Romans 12 and 12 said rejoice in hope Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer It's so easy for us in society To focus on the amount of evil and negativity that's happening all around us. Come on, I know I'm speaking the truth. It is so easy to focus on the the depravity of man and the degradation of society, the degradation of biblical morals in culture. It is so, so easy, but Paul makes this statement to a church in the capital of the city that controls most of the world, Rome, where persecution is going to be at a high, rejoice in hope. Yes, at some point, Nero was going to stake Christians on poles, literally put poles through their body, put the stakes in the ground, and at his big dinner parties, he would light them on fire and use them as torches. We don't know persecution. And and Paul has the audacity to write, rejoice in hope. Rejoice because it's going to be so easy to find the evil. It's going to be so easy to view the negative. But what Paul is saying, I want you to train yourself to view hope in every situation. And when you find hope, rejoice in it. When you find the light, rejoice in it. When you can look in the darkness and you see the light, grab the light and make a big deal about it. Rejoice in hope. What it does, it, it does not, listen to me, it does not negate the effects of evil. It does not. It doesn't mean the darkness still isn't there. But what it does is it changes the focus. It changes the focus. You know, in 2020, I, I, I just stopped watching the news. I stopped watching the news, period. Because all it was doing was leaving me depressed. All it was, you want to know what happened, I'll tell you what happened. My prayers became more effective. Because I wasn't praying the CNN Fox News prayers. I was praying Heaven's prayers, okay. I stopped watching the news because there was no hope. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. And Paul called our God, the God I serve, I don't know the God you serve, I hope it's the same God I serve, but the God I serve, Paul said of him, may the God of what? Hope. May the, he, so he's the God of hope. And Paul said rejoice in hope. Find hope and make a big deal about it we got so many negative Nancys and, and, and depressive spirits that are running across the world because we find the most evil, dark thing and we give our attention to it. But Paul said, find the light and amplify the light. It's a key to giving thanks. You say, how does this have to do with give thanks? I'll tell you. It's a key to giving thanks because if you can't see the light, you see no reason to give thanks. Paul said, find hope, make a big deal about it. Make a big deal about hope. Some of you need to go home and write down hope list. This is why I've got hope. This is the hope I see in my life. Make a big deal about it. Y'all still with me? Okay, number two, Paul said rejoice always. In every situation, rejoice. Number two, he said pray without ceasing. This word without ceasing means without intermission, without stopping. Colossians chapter four gives us a lesson in continuing in prayer. Continue steadfastly, verse 2, in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ that I may make it clear which is, which is how I ought to speak. So first he says, you've got to persevere in, in prayer. You, you, you've got to persevere in prayer. I know How many of you have been praying prayers for years and you're still waiting on answers? Throw your hand up. All over the room all over the room. we pray been praying prayer for years. We're still waiting on God to answer. I have a word for you this morning. Persevere in prayer. Pray without intermission. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. It's like the persistent widow of Luke 18 that she kept showing up to the judges courts every single day persuading him rule in my favor rule in my favor they've been unjust to me they've been unjust to me and finally the judge said i can't take it anymore rule in her favor i can't take it anymore it's not that god gets sick of us but at some point god is wait god's timing is better than mine and so for those of you that have been praying prayers for years that you're still waiting on god to answer be persistent in prayer don't stop praying Secondly, Colossians 4 said, be watchful in prayer. Jesus said to the disciples in Mark chapter 14, he said this, he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And I believe we're not just to watch while we're praying. Not just to watch our prayers, that we're remaining vigilant, that we're we're watching out for vain repetitions. We're watching out that we're not praying for selfish desires. I believe we should also be watchful for the answers to prayers. That there are sometimes God answers prayers that we've been praying and because we're not watching, we don't see them. Be watchful in prayer. So first we persevere in prayer, then we are watchful in prayer, and then lastly we are thankful in prayer. We often thank God for his blessings, but how many times do we thank God for him? Lord, I thank you for you. You're the sustainer of life. In you dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You're Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Jehovah Sitkanuth, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Enkadesh, banner over me is victory. When's the last time we just stopped in prayer and said, I'm going to stop just asking God for my list of things that I'm going to thank him For what he has done for me. Okay. So that's going to lead me into this final point of of thanksgiving. In everything. Somebody shout in everything. In everything give thanks. It is the Greek word yada. And this word means to physically, listen, to physically throw a stone or an arrow at something. Especially to revere or worship with extended hands. Now, I don't have time this morning, but Yada is one of the seven words of praise. And, and so when I'm giving thanks, I'm literally taking a st- I'm doing two things. I'm taking a stone and I'm throwing it into the camp of the devil. And I'm letting him know that no matter what you've thrown at me, no matter what you've sought to bring against me, I've got a thanks in my heart that's a weapon. I preached a couple, um, a couple months ago about a place called praise. That I may not have a weapon in my hand, but I sure got one in my mouth. I may not be able to fight a physical devil, but I've got a weapon in my mouth called thanksgiving. And when I give thanks, it's like throwing a stone at the devil or shooting an arrow at a target. In everything, give thanks. So, number one about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is the doorway into the presence. That's why I tell you that when you are giving, when you are praying, when we are worshiping, start with Thanksgiving. Because we are, we are, it's not that we're selfish. I think at our, at our base, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think people just care and they want to pray their list so the people they're praying for can have answered prayers. But that's not protocol. That's not the protocol of the Bible. The Bible said, enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving, not my list of requests. With thanksgiving, with with thanksgiving, so gates are points of entry. They enable people to go beyond the outer court of worship into the inner court. Let me show you what thanksgiving does. If thanksgiving into his gates means thanksgiving opens the gates, what happens is thanksgiving is literally opening a doorway between heaven and earth. Thanksgiving. See, that's why some of you say, well, he's going to preach on Thanksgiving. That's not very spiritual. It's actually more spiritual than we think it is. Because we're not even supposed to come into God's presence without Thanksgiving. We're not even supposed to enter into a corporate gathering without Thanksgiving. Some of you wonder, why do they do fast songs at the beginning of service? Because we're supposed to give thanks. We enter in with Thanksgiving with hands lifted in reverent worship. We give thanks. To the Lord, so to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and He follows it up in Psalm one hundred and His courts with praise. Let me show you what happens in prayer when you start with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you that that you are good and your mercy endures forever, and I thank you that you've been better to me than I've been to myself and i thank you that you answer prayers and you hear the prayers of your people and i thank you that you're a big god and you beat the devil and the devil is defeated and you're victorious and i think and you know what starts to happen especially with some of y'all that got the holy ghost you just can't stop yourself it just keeps coming lord i thank you for health in my body Lord I thank you that I may not have all the money in the world but you provided everything I need Lord I thank you that I'm at Lord I, I thank you that I may not be a millionaire but my kids have never been in the hospital Lord I thank you that I've got, I've got this problem and that problem and I've been surrounded by enemies but you've delivered me out of them all and you know what happens all of a sudden your problems don't seem too big anymore because you put a magnifying glass on God and taking it off your list of prayers enter into his gates with thanksgiving thanksgiving it's not that lists are bad we are to bring our requests before the Lord the scripture said but not without Thanksgiving number two thanksgiving is the doorway to contentment Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Here's the request. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart, your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lack the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound. Everything and in all things, I have learned both to be full, of, be full and be hungry, both abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am content because in thanksgiving, I have trained my body I've trained my mind that whatever I have, I'm thankful for. And I don't need more to be more thankful. I'm going to fill my thankful jar to capacity. And whether I have much or I have little, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be See, we quote Philippians 4.13 so out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Football players put it on their eye black. They put it all over national TV. That's not what that scripture means. I mean, there's a truth in that. I I can endure everything. I can make it. I can get through everything. But in the context of the scripture, Paul is saying, I can be content through all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure through all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I'm thankful. Are y'all with me this morning? Thanksgiving creates a life of contentment. I don't need what everybody see. America, we have this problem. We call it the keeping up with the Joneses. You know, the neighbor got a new boat, so I need to go get a newer, better boat. <laughs> the neighbor built a deck on the back of their house, so I need to build a better, bigger, better deck on the back of my house. Keeping up with the Joneses, and and because we've created such a rush culture and such a rush environment. We cease to stop and be thankful for what the Lord has given to us. I'm not saying that the Lord adding to you is a bad thing. But when the addition of the Lord becomes an idol, you've lost your way. When the favor and the addition of God on your life, the blessing of the Lord becomes more important to you and and being better than other people becomes more important to you than giving thanks, you've lost your way. And in this month of Thanksgiving that we celebrate and we go eat food together and we stop, I want to encourage you over the next week as we lead up in the nation Sunday, I want to encourage you to take inventory of your life and just thank God. I may not have it like everybody else does, but I'm breathing. I may not have it the way everybody else does, but man, I'm healthy. I may not have money like everybody else does, but he's provided everything I need. Thank you, Lord. Lord I thank you that I I don't have all the goods and riches my name is written down my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and there's going to come a day when I stand in the judgment before the judgment seat of Christ that he's going to look in the book and he's going to see my name written down and I may not have all the earthly blessing and earthly riches but my name is written down in heaven in everything give thanks Give thanks. A lack of thanksgiving blocks the blessings of God in your life. I'll show you in the scriptures. The children of Israel. Check this out. Led by the visible presence of God wasn't enough for them. Heaven's manna fell fresh every morning, but they whined for the food that they ate in Egypt. They were given fresh, clean water, which many of them had never had. Supernaturally flowing from a rock, and it wouldn't satisfy them. They never, listen, they never, a whole generation never made it to the promised land because their lives were void of gratitude and praise. Their whining and discontent was actually an accusation of injustice against God. And what he had done and was doing in their life and ultimately it closed the gate of the promised land to a whole generation. They could have been in the promised land a whole lot earlier than 40 years. But their whining and discontentment was a judgment of injustice against God. Well, God, you haven't done right by us. Excuse me. Did he not deliver you out of the hand of Egypt? Give you water out of a rock? Did you not hear his voice on the mountain when Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments? Did manna not come down from heaven every morning? Did you not see the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day? And you're whining. You're discontent. You've not learned to be content in all things. Yes, the manna was not a filet mignon. Come on now. The manna wasn't a big rack of ribs, but you know what it did? It sustained them. Paul said, I've learned to be content, whatever the case. And contentment is only achievable by Thanksgiving. You hear me in the room? By Thanksgiving. Then Paul finally said this. You guys can come out and help me finish. In everything, the word everything here means each, any, the whole, or all things. In everything, give thanks. Somebody say everything. everything. Now, that doesn't make sense to some of you because your bodies are ravaged with sickness, you've experienced unexplainable, unexplicable loss. You've encountered unexplainable and unexplicable hardships. But for the believer, Paul says three things. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. Give thanks. I want you to think of Jesus on Passover. Right. Think of him at the Last Supper. He knows what awaits him. He knows that wicked men are going to take him, they're going to try him, they're going to beat him at a Roman whipping post, they're going to nail him at a cross, they're going to kill him, they're going to make it as painful as they can. He knows this. He he knows at Passover that his betrayer is among them in Judas. But the Bible records in Luke twenty-two nineteen, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, now see, back in that day, it wasn't just God, thank you for this food, Amen. No, 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 no. There was a true moment of thanksgiving to the Lord for all that He had done and all that He had given. So Jesus, knowing I'm about to die, my betrayer is sitting at this table with me, took a moment to say thank you in every thing give thanks and he and he closes out these two verses like this for this is the will of God I don't know whenever you see that written you better pay special attention to it Because there's a whole movement on earth that wants to discombobulate and confuse what the will of God is. Jesus, Paul said, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks.